Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. Welcome to Series 3 of the Tim Hill Podcast. In the last two series, I've told you about my life. I've met many interesting people along the way who have become my friends and what they all have in common is they have fascinating stories of their own which they are happy to share with you now. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode I'm going to have a chat with Jennifer. Jennifer is going to tell us all about her life. She's going to tell us where and when she was born. She's going to describe what it was like where she grew up, the school she went to, and the education that she received. So, Jennifer, you're in the room. Well, I thank you so much, Tim. I'm so honored to be a part of your show today. No, it's my honor. It's my pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you. This is so much fun. I love everything that you're doing on your podcast. I think it's very creative and so unlike any other show that's out there right now. Well, I'll try to be different, you know? (laughs) Yes. Well, you're doing a fabulous job at it. Right. And before we get distracted, when and where were you born? I was born. You you can hold back on the date. We don't. Oh, yeah. I don't get. I can't give out everything. We don't really. (laughs) Don't like to ask ladies how old they are. Mm. We like that. Oh, you're you're (laughs) such a gentleman. So I was born in Baltimore, Maryland. And I will say in the month of May, and I have a birthday coming up in two weeks. I'm so excited. Oh. Yeah. And Talk where I was again. born, I know I'm super excited. And so where I was born, actually, a lot of our, our family was born, and um, which is very, really cool, right? It's really neat to see all the cousins and your parents and your aunts and your uncles, everyone in the same area born. So all, all of us right there in, in, in Baltimore, which is really special. And so I started school in Baltimore. I re- remember kindergarten in Baltimore. And I can tell you a very interesting moment that I remember. I don't remember a lot about my childhood, but I do remember driving in the car. And I can't remember if we were coming or going from, it was probably like preschool, maybe, or kindergarten. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. And hearing on the radio that Elvis Presley had passed away. And I'm a huge fan of Elvis. So, I I mean, you know, you can do some numbers there. But yeah, yeah, that was, I was such a little thing at the time. And so from there, I was really blessed to be able to go to first grade to a Catholic school called Our Lady of Victory, which was literally across the field from the home that I was living in with my mom and my grandmother. And not only did I go to the school, my mother, her three brothers went to that school, all of like the generations of the family and lots of people got married in our family at the church there. So it was really special. Um, Unlike most of the other. Yeah. What what made it special? Was was it run by by the nuns or was it run by priests? Oh, yes. Was it very, very strict? It was. And I can tell you that I, I remember one day go, have, being called down to the principal's office because I was a chitty chatty Betty. I love to talk. <laughs> and um, so I got in trouble. And I remember being so scared that I didn't go. I ran into the bathroom. 
I was so scared. Like I didn't want to go. Like they had you petrified of these people (laughs) and that, you know, it ended up not being a big deal, but that was the horrific event that I had there. The beautiful event that they had there, they always had like fairs. This was back in the day where, where schools still had fairs. And, and I remember you could go and you would throw like a little, um, a ping pong ball into one of the glass jars that had water in it with fish and you could win a fish to take home. Like, I mean, again, aging myself there, but it was, it was in a time that was, you know, from what I can remember, fairly innocent, you know, growing up, even though there was a lot of things going on, it was, Mm. it was really, it was special. And it's even more special now looking back on it, realizing that all of our family really went to that school and everyone went to church on Sunday. I have a cousin who was a nun in the church. This is a great story. And she ended up leaving the nunnery and the father who was the priest left the priesthood and they've been married and have a child. So it's like, there's all these stories that I know, right? There's all these stories that come out of. That was a scandal. I was a little young to remember, but I bet it was. (laughs) (laughs) I bet it was, you know, so it, but you know, the beauty of it is that I remember wanting to go to church every Sunday because I wanted to see cousin Mark singing in the choir. Mm. And it would just, you know, in looking back, comparing then to now, I mean, what innocent times, you know, truly when they, at the time probably didn't seem that way, but they really were. So that was just my, my first year. And from there, my family, we moved out of the jurisdiction. So we were still Mm. in Baltimore area, just in a different section. So then I went to public school, a traditional public school. And so I think I was there for second and third grade. I moved around a bit. Um, And I don't remember a lot about that. I remember it being a smaller school. It was pretty close. I think I walked to school, but I'm not sure. And I wasn't, we weren't there for long. And then um, we moved to Cape Cod, which is really where I grew up, grew up. And um, from there, I went to school on the military base. I was in a military family and that was a lot of fun. I remember a lot of that fourth through seventh grade. It was on the military base. And then they, they brought in other kids from outside the base. Um, Still a small school though. And, you know, and it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun because you lived there. And when you grow up or in that day and age, which sounds so old, right? Like, I feel like I'm talking about the 1920s, but I'm not, um, you know, back in that day when you grew up on the base and you lived on the base, it was just so safe. You rode your bike everywhere. Everyone was, you had friends from tons of different countries, Mm. you different cultures, you were always learning. And that was just how it was. That wasn't a rare, it just was what it was. And then you had the kids bust in from out of the base. And so you became, you know, everyone was friendly and there was the movie theater on the base and we had dances and, you know, then they had what we called like the weekend warriors would come, you know, at that time it was like the guys who came and they, they practiced war games. Yes. They practiced their war games and things. And they had bands that, that, you know, they put on entertainment and it was just a really incredible way when I look back on it to grow up and such, again, a nice, safe, naive way of growing up. I mean, you know, it was just, it was really special. It was special. And so that's, this base then, was it um, was it Army or was it Navy or was it an Air Force base? I mean, um, it's Cape Cod. It's called, that, it's that, Otis Air Force. It's called Otis Air Force Base. So traditional Air Force, but you had all all genres there. You had all the 
the different, you had the army, you had the Coast Guard, you had the Air Force, you had the Marines. Who am I forgetting? The Navy. I'm forgetting someone. Navy. No, so I, I don't ever remember seeing Navy there. Just the Coast Guard. Maybe we did, but I don't remember that. Mm. It was definitely heavily Coast Guard, heavily Army and Air Force. I remember mm. those the most. Mm-hmm. Do they have um, sort of Top Gun planes flying off of there, or F-111s? or They did. They had the F-15s. And so when I grew up, I, I grew up being comforted by hearing those sounds. You knew the flight patterns. You knew what was going on. It was when you didn't hear that or something changed, then there was concern. So to me personally, being around a military base, being around military, that is very comforting. I feel very safe. Um, but again, that's how I grew up. And so that was that was the norm for me. I guess it was a big base as well, if you've got that that many people knocking around. And then, it was and then a, yeah. I guess you've got the National Guard coming in on the weekends, mm-hmm. using the facilities. And uh, so, yeah, oh, that sounds... I mean, fascinating. I'm, I'm a little bit on the yeah. military side myself, you know. Yes, I'm, yes. I'm one or two years <laughs> under the colours. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. I like to say I did my time as a civilian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose I some... if, if you grow up on a on a military base, that kind of makes you, once you've left that environment, that makes you a bit of a veteran, I guess. I think that I should have some VA benefits, 100%, yes. Yeah. I agree with you on that. And you know what? I think I'm going to bring that up to someone. I don't know who I would bring that up to, but that's a really good point. Yes. Well, maybe Absolutely. we could have a word with the president because he'll mm. sign off anything, surely. I can't. I just can't. I can't, <laughs> I can't even, Tim. I think I would have better luck calling the queen, and I'll leave it at that. How about that? Well, yeah. I mean, she's far more complimentous than he is. And she's a lot oh. older than him. Oh, bless her heart. But, you know, I have more faith in yeah. that. <laughs> I sure do. I sure do. So, yeah. So my my little my little years on the base. So the one school and, and forgive me, I don't remember. the. I just remember being in, in the one school from fourth, third or fourth grade to sixth grade. And then there was the junior high at the time, which was just two grades, which was seventh and eighth. Mm-hmm. And so everyone was transferring to the junior high. And at that point in time, things were changing in our family. So we were no longer going to be full-time military. So I went all the way through seventh grade there. And then my family moved. Maybe, honestly, I think we were 10 minutes down the road. But because we were no longer in the military, technically, I shouldn't be going to that school because I crossed over a town line. Mm. That's how it was. So I went into another town. However, the teachers and everyone were super supportive and they wanted me to finish out the eighth grade there. Yeah. So that was all well and good until somebody told somebody and then I got in trouble and I couldn't. So I started eighth grade there and then had to transfer into another town with people that I didn't know Hmm. into eighth grade, which was in, in that town too. It was only seventh and eighth graders together. And then you, you choose your high schools depending on where you're going. The interesting thing when I got to that eighth grade was that there were some people who had been bussed in non-military to my school. So I knew a couple of people, but I really didn't know no people. It was really uncomfortable. I didn't really enjoy that. I did not enjoy eighth grade at all, Mm. um, if I'm being honest. And then from there, we all transferred into the high school, which was Falmouth High School 
on the Cape. And um, that was fun. I mean, that was high school. That was four years. I was heavily involved with the band being on Color Guard. So part of the halftime events and, and, and doing things like that. So, you know, it was definitely ingrained in me from being on the base and seeing there was this sense of community and this sense of like all of the wives had like their wives club, it was called. And they were always putting on fashion shows and doing things for the kids. And so I grew up with this sense of importance of being a part of the community. So I, I tried to do that. Plus I also knew, and I'm sure it was instilled in me that in doing that, hopefully that transition would be easier and you'd meet other people. And, and it was, and it was good. Um, so yeah, so I was there for four years um, in that town. And then after high school, it was interesting. There was a group of girls. We all wanted to go to the same school. Mm. Tim, we all wanted to go to this ridiculously expensive two-year private school. And I don't know that any of us knew what we wanted at that time, to be honest. I had started working in the retirement and assisted living industry when I was 15. So that's all that I knew besides marketing and retail. That's what my mom had done. So she had always brought me to work and taught me that side of things. So I knew those two, but I didn't know what else. So I just thought, well, I want to go into business. I knew through taking business courses at some point in time, I wanted to have my own clothing line. Like that was a dream. So there was this entrepreneur that was there. I just didn't necessarily compute what all that meant. And, you know, my family, we didn't have a lot of money you know, we had money, but like not to go to private school, like that was silly, you know, and then to think that you're going to transfer on after a two year school. So my family actually sat me down and they bargained with me, Tim. They said, if you were willing to go to the community college, which we had, um, which was very well known that everybody that went away to school right away, flunked out and came back anyways. Mm -hmm. This was like the history of what had gone on. So my family said, you know, what? I'll tell you what, you do not have to have a job. You don't have to pay for your car. You don't have to pay. We'll give you an allowance if you choose to go to this school, the community college, and we'll pay for it for two straight years. Just get good grades. That's what we care about. And I thought about it was a really good deal. So I said, okay. And then being the person that I am, the, we went and I got I got this new car. It was, it was my very first Volkswagen. I'm a Volkswagen girl. It was a Volkswagen Fox. I changed up the rules though. I continued working. I paid for my own car. So I had my own money. They did take care of the schooling and they took care of the books. I loved school so much, Tim. I went year round. So that by the time I was done with community college, I had so many credits going forward that I ended up with two bachelor's degrees, not even a major and a minor. Because I love school so much. So while I was at community college, what happens on Cape Cod, which is in Massachusetts, for those that aren't familiar, it's a little island. I love it. It's just, it's just beautiful. We're very blessed that a lot of um, well-known uh, college professors, when they wanted to retire or not work as much, yeah. would go to the Cape. And so you were really getting incredible education, but because you know, people in your school were like, oh, you're going to community college. Like people made you think it was bad, but it really wasn't. It was actually an, an excellent education. Mm. And um, they have a nursing school. They've expanded so much now. So I, I credit so much to um, having started out there. And I will say, Tim, that the first year that I was there, half the people that I went to high school with showed up. 
<laughs> they all flunked out. They all flunked out <laughs> and they came to school. So it was, it was, you know, it was, it was quite a blessing. My, my, uh, mm. my parents were very smart in bargaining with me and I really enjoyed my time there. I specialized in business, specialized in marketing. So I was really blossoming into the entrepreneur that I am now. I just had no idea. But no idea. You wanted to so what were your two majors then? Mm-hmm. So it was business and marketing, or excuse me, that's not true. It was business and retail management, actually, because that goes back to what I had known. So I knew business. I was still in the retirement industry. And then I knew the retail and marketing from um, going to work with my mom. So those were my specialties, which was the retail aspect was definitely more of a marketing, I would say, um, aspect of things. So you said retirement. What's Mm -hmm. that involved? So in the States, we have places that are called assisted living or retirement communities, independent living. So I started working there when I was 15 years old and I had a good girlfriend who went to the, the community and she was working there and she was a waitress. And I said, Oh, I had had a bad experience when I was little or what I thought was a bad experience, an uncomfortable one in a nursing home. And I was scared. I was scared of older people. And so I wanted nothing to do with this. And I went and and I talked to her boss one day and I did not want a job. I wasn't there for a job. And so we started talking and I told him about the experience that I had. And he said, you're hired. And I said, I don't want a job. And he said, oh no, you're hired. Like I want you here. And it was the best job ever. I I loved it so much. I... I'm such a resident advocate to this day. And to, I credit so much of what I learned through business and healthcare and knowing what to do in the insurance environment, knowing how to help seniors, knowing how to be an advocate of your own healthcare. There was so much that came out of my time being, and I, again, I started as, as a waitress in the, in, the, in the dining room there and progressed myself up. One of the executives there really believed in me and became quite the mentor to me. and. Fast forwarding a little bit. So I went to two years of community college and then I transferred on to a university in Rhode Island, in Bristol, Rhode Island, called Roger Williams University. And there I also continued on my business, continued on my marketing and also went to school year round because I loved it so much. That's how I ended up with so many degrees. Um, I just loved school. Joined. It was a very smaller school. I wanted to go. So my... My things with, this is how I picked a school. I wanted it to be smaller and I wanted it to be South. So I grew up in Baltimore. I claimed that I was a Southern Belle because that state is below the Mason-Dixon line. To this day, I still say I'm a Southern Belle. Um, I didn't want to go North. I didn't want to go cold, which is actually the exact opposite of how I am now. So (laughs) Rhode Island, it was. Rhode Island, it was. On the water, beautiful. Similar energies to how I grew up on Cape Cod. It was lovely. Um, had an incredible, great experience. Wonderful teachers. Made wonderful friends that I'm still very close with now. Um, and so with that, in my studies and my fun and very involved in that school as well, um, something called Stage Crew. So we always set up all the concerts and the events and very involved. Mm. I was an RA. So I was like the little security person that went around to the buildings at night, you know, because if you, if you became, here's yeah. the only reason I did it. If you did, if you became an RA, an RA, 
when I transferred in, which is a resident assistant, they had apartment building. That's what you lived in. Well, if you were the RA, you got your own apartment. And when I first went there, they tried to put me in a room with four girls in one room in a two bedroom apartment. There was another, like, I don't know how many other Mm. girls I was an only child. Now this was a lot for me. Like I was like, Whoa, I, I maybe two girls, but like, this was a lot of people in a small space for me. So totally became an, an RA. It actually helps you through your tuition because they help you with food and, mm. and, and pay for that. And you get your own apartment. So, Hey, that was awesome. So let's, let's, let's have a look at this school year thing. Cause most sort of schools, they, they have, um, they start the school year and then they, uh, they have a half term and then they come to Christmas and they have two or three weeks mm-hmm. off at Christmas. Then, then they start the, the year and then they have a half term and then they get to Easter and they have another two or three weeks off. Uh, and then halfway through the, the the sort of summer term, they have a, a, another week off for, for half term, mm-hmm. and then then they have about eight nine weeks off for the summer. How are you able to to go year round without taking all that amount of time off? Yeah, no, I never did. I just enjoy so. At the community college to start there during Jan, you were supposed to have like part of December and January off, or you could take a certain class or I think maybe two classes during that time. So it was like going part-time instead of full-time. So I did that. So you get a little break, but I still, I just enjoyed it so much. And then when I had transferred to university, um, it was the same way. Like, I think they gave you a month off, like during the Christmas holidays, this and that. Well, I had a job. I was part of this. And then I were, and I also worked for the school. So I chose to stay there. I mean, I would still go home and celebrate the holidays, but I wouldn't stay for weeks in weeks or a month on end, like traditional people would do, or in the summertime, you could stay and live up there. Mm. And so that's what a lot of us did. Yeah. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. that worked quite well then. And 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 consequently that gave you <laughs> so many more credits. So so much more towards uh, <laughs> for for your de- how many degrees did you actually get? Let's have a look. So I so, okay. So technically I have a community college degree and then I have, because of those credits that rolled into, instead of having a major and a minor, I had enough credits for two bachelor degrees. Mm-hmm. So, so I've got a few on yeah. top of a few other things that we haven't gotten to yet. So <laughs> well, we're working our way through it. We're working our way through it. So, yeah. So through after the school, when I graduated, um, I didn't know what I was going to do because here I had at that point in time, I wasn't working in the retirement industry anymore mm. for those two years. I was just up at school yeah. and doing just odd jobs that kids that kids do in college. And so I remember coming home and I went back to my mentor in the retirement industry and we had a conversation one day and she said, I'll tell you what, there's a new building being built. I'm going to be the executive director. And her words exactly, quote unquote, I'd like you to go get just a ridiculous job for the summer, whether it be a waitress, do whatever, do something fun. Come back to me in September and you're hired. You have a job. Awesome. Awesome. I was going to be her assistant. So I was like, okay, great. At the time I was dating someone in, in college and he was moving very far away, like cross country. And so he had gotten out there and he was pretty homesick. And long story short, I went out to Colorado 
for almost two whole months. And I lived out there in a summer down in Durango, which was an incredible experience. Um, so that was fun. And then when I came back, I knew I had this job and I knew it was with someone that I had been with since I was what, 15 years old. So it was very safe. It was very like, okay, great. What are we going to do? And it was incredible because this was, we were building the building. I thought it was going to be done, but we were Mm. part of the actual building of the building, the designing of it, the pre-rentals, all of this, all of the marketing. So she was so amazing, such an extraordinary mentor. She would just give you free reign. So I learned everything from her, just every aspect of the business. And, you know, I, I mean, I, my specialty is definitely business and marketing and being an advocate for residents. The only part that I never really did that great at was numbers. And so (laughs) there was a point at one time where I was in charge of payroll (laughs) and (laughs) Tim, it just wasn't good. It wasn't good, Tim. So even though this is going, (laughs) even though the system itself, like sort of almost did everything, like it's sort of like trying to draw a straight line with the ruler. I can't, I have a little trouble with that too. Mm. so you know numbers weren't my thing and so I struggled with that now on the flip side though what I didn't struggle with was the year that I was put in charge of the Christmas party and so it will and I will say this was the last major Christmas party that they ever had so I what I did now from the girl who couldn't really comprehend payroll (laughs) with payroll software I could manage to swindle everyone's budget and to take out money where I needed so that I threw a Christmas party that looked like a prom. We had this beautiful, you know, this beautiful setting country club with the DJ, with this, with the food. It was like, it was like, it was actually like um, a wedding reception. It was amazing. Never went over budget, just took in Peter, Paul and Mary, everything. No one could figure out how I did it. She couldn't figure out how I did it. Everything was paid for. Nothing was over budget. And that to this day is really what I'm very good at. I'm good at manipulating money. I'm good at branding and, and, and all this kind of stuff. I'm not... And I so I know my roles and I think that's important to yeah. know. And so at one point, the um, the company had said, okay, well, it was like... It was kind of time that I graduated from being her assistant. And so... I couldn't go into the marketing role, which I would have been very good at because we had someone there. I couldn't stay where I was at because the higher level people were so frustrated with me because they would call and they would be like, we need numbers for blah, 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 blah. Where's Jennifer? Oh, she's in the kitchen helping out because they're short staff. Because that's how I learned. You do every... And they just didn't... We didn't play well together. And so they they made me a very nice offer and they said, here's the deal. Because I was very young. I was extremely young. And they said, we will help you get a job outside of our company in a sister company and go and get seasoned. Come back and you will have your choice of whatever, you know, whatever state you want, you'll be, you'll, you get to be the executive director. You can run it, do whatever you want. I thought, okay, fabulous. That sounds lovely. And so I jumped at an opportunity and my mentor questioned it and they did it when she wasn't around. So she couldn't really guide me. And I did something that I always tell people now not to do. Don't take a job for the money and don't take it for the location. 
Your heart has to be in it. You have, and so I took a job. I mean, the mo- they knew what they were doing. They offered me an obscene amount of money being a young person. And it was in Colorado and I, a different aspect. And I was, I really wanted to go and experience, you know, just this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't great. It didn't work out. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. That's where I actually specialized in Alzheimer's disease. So I learned a lot. I mean, incredible life lessons learned. I would, I would never not do it again. Um, but you know, when looking back at it, it's like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? No one was going to take me seriously. And they knew that too. The company that hired me, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. They got me for a bargain. They, you know, so it was, it, it played out how it should. Um, but that's how I intertwined back in. And, but if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have built a building for Alzheimer's. I wouldn't have specialized in it. I wouldn't have helped so many people. So, you know, there's always that silver lining if you're willing to see yeah. and look for it. Mm-hmm. So, so this, this, this job out in Colorado, then it was obviously in a, a care home with, for Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a little bit different. It, um, they did full spectrum. So they also did nursing home and they did assisted living and then they did Alzheimer's. And while I was with them, the company was going to go public and two things happened. I gave them the idea to buy the original place that I worked at because I knew it was privately run by two individuals. They were looking to sell. So they did that. And then they, um, they went public and they were losing a lot of money and things were shifting and things weren't great. The, the side piece to that is while I was out there, I was in a pretty traumatic car accident. And when that happened, I wasn't working for a few months. And then when I came back, it was part-time and people still didn't recognize the troubles that I was having because on, I was surrounded by Alzheimer's. Yeah. So no one realized that I wasn't all there. And um, when okay. this situation I happened, right, that's what I'm saying. I was help. a little, yeah, <laughs> I had a concussion. I had some stuff going on. And so no one really, I mean, recognized I was little, because no one recognized that I was a little hot mess because mm. I was, you know, I was just in the mix. And um, so, but I made a very adult decision again, being, being in, in my young twenties at that point in time, I knew that there were some layoffs that needed to come up. And I remember going to the regional person and I said, okay, I'm going to offer myself. Like if you've got to lay somebody off, lay me off. And then I would say it was like a week later, Tim, and I come strolling into work and he's there and he's like, Hey, you want to have lunch today? I'm like, Oh my God, that'd be lovely. And then the next thing I know, I see the HR lady coming and I was like, what's this all about? Mm. And you would have thought I never, you would have thought I didn't even know what was happening. And so we go to lunch and of course they're like, well, you know, it's been lovely and blah, blah, blah. You're laid off. And I was like, what do you mean I'm laid off? <laughs> Tim, I was just like, oh my, you would have thought it came out of left field, you know, and here I made this adult decision. And so I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and I was just horrified. And, and so, um, yeah, it was, and that through all of that, through the car accident, through working there, through that layoff really pushed me into a true entrepreneur world at that point in time, Mm. because all I had known was the corporate world. All I wanted to do was climb the corporate ladder. I was going to have X amount of dollars, buy a house at the, I mean, I had, you know, I had all those ducks lined up and God said, I don't think so. Mm. We need to change this up a bit. And so definitely did. And, um, I started doing 
interesting small jobs. I became a wedding coordinator, which not very many people know about at an incredible restaurant in Boulder, Colorado, which was an amazing experience. Um, I worked at an Italian restaurant as the hostess because, again, let's be whoa, clear, whoa, I'm whoa, not. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so you was a wedding planner? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did yes. You, did you get into wedding singers and all that? I did I everything. I did yeah. everything from the food to help them with their dresses, to help them who stands where. I did absolutely everything. And um, I wish I could remember the name of the restaurant. It, it's based off of, I want to say Switzerland. I mean, it, you would have thought you were somewhere in Europe. Yeah. It's it, If it's still there, it's an incredible, beautiful restaurant. The fa- It was family owned. It was stunning because it looked like something right out of like Switzerland. Like, yeah. I mean, just gorgeous or Holland or it was beautiful. And so... And they had all of that traditional fare with food and the grounds are beautiful. And so they gave me free reign. They said, we just need help. So I helped. And this is my specialty. I go in, I rebrand, I help raise the revenue. I, they allowed me to decorate for the holidays. It was like Mm. Hallmark on just craziness. And it was just so much fun. But being a wedding coordinator was a blast. I loved it. Again, I learned so much. I you know, cried every weekend. I was very vested in every couple. You know, it was, it was a lot. I learned a lot. I learned a lot what to do, what not to do. Um, it, it was an incredible, that was really fun. So I how really long enjoyed that, that going for? Maybe about two years. I was only in Boulder for, mm, that's not true. Yeah, maybe about two years. Because I think in total, I was only in Boulder for about three years, mm. which seemed a lot longer than that. Um, so I had that job. I worked at a little Italian restaurant that all my friends worked at and I was the hostess and took care of just Italian wine. So it was very easy. I didn't have to think too much. Um, oh, so nice, I learned about it. Nice it was, oh, <laughs> it's all I, all I drink are, are Italian and, and French wine and they're all organic that mm. I order. And they're just, oh, I, so, you know, it's like when you look back, and you look at all the beautiful things you learned out of all these crazy situations and how you were just propelled forward. And there was one moment in the mix of all that, that another company within the retirement industry had reached out to me. They were competitors of whom I had been working for out there and they had a contractual position open and it was in marketing. And I thought, oh my gosh, I could do this like while I'm sleeping. Mm. However, the caveat was I was still in rehab from the car accident, which I rehabbed for two years, but it was significant. There was a significant amount of rehab that went in. And so I had explained in the beginning, this is the deal. Like I, sometimes I'm in the doctors three hours a day. It's it's sporadic. They were good with it for about, I can't quite remember the timing. So that's a little, I just know I wasn't there long, but I will say. the Alzheimer's comes in then. <laughs> exactly. It's where a little something comes in there. Um, I will say that they compensated me incredibly well, which was, again, I felt like the universe was taking care of me. Like, okay, Mm. she didn't get the message. You know, I had even consulted my old mentor on it and she was like, I don't think you want to do this. Like, don't do it. Like, just don't do this. Like, you don't want to jump back in because the companies that were out West were very different than the company that I was brought up in. Mm. The morals, the ethics. And so she was, you know, but again, I was like, oh, I saw the money. I saw the, it was just what I was used to. It was just what I knew. And so I jumped in a short period of time and, you know, it's, 
<laughs> it didn't, it didn't work out, but that was fine. I was compensated. Lovely. I got back into painting and having fun and, and learning and helping other little companies market. So it's really, again, it's where my entrepreneur skills are really born. And that's where my Pilates came in because through that car accident, that's how I rehabbed. I rehabbed ultimately with Pilates being the major force at the end for two straight years. And so at the end, the little bit of payout that you get from a car accident covered the Pilates school. And it became a no brainer when one of my teachers said, you know what, you should go to school for this. And I thought, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And I did. And going to that really is like going to a physical therapy school. And so my specialty, no coincidence, has always been rehabilitative Pilates to help people. And my mission was always to help any one person to not be in pain because the incredible instructors that I worked with, the incredible school that I went to in Boulder, the Pilates Center, they all helped me so much. So that was another school. That was another certification. <laughs> there was plenty. There's plenty more. <laughs> so how, how long did that take to get your, your ticket to, to teach Pilates? That, let's see, 1997. To, so I rehabbed with Pilates for two years and then I went to school for a solid year. Mm. So, yeah, and it can take, it, it depends on the person. Yeah. I was blessed that I had the time that I could put in and do all of that. So yeah, it was, it's an incredible school. It's still going. It's considered the Harvard of Pilates schools. It, it's an incredible education. And I always refer people to please go out there and they since have sister studios that they go and they'll teach at, you know, around the world now. So it's, it's quite an opportunity where it, and back in that day, um, yeah. you had yeah. to strictly just go to Boulder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All fairly new then. Mm -hmm. So where did that take you when you were going that qualification? <laughs> so when that was finished, there were some things going on back at home on the Cape. So I decided to move back, went back thinking, and I had all these grandiose ideas. Well, I'll just have a Pilates studio because I worked, I graduated school there, started being a teacher, just go for it. And I it was so far ahead of the time. You know, Boulder was the mecca of alternative holistic care. Mm. And so Pilates was not heard of on the East Coast yet. It really, maybe in New York, a little bit among dancers, but certainly not on Cape Cod. So I tried to make a go of it. I wasn't completely happy. And life wasn't aligning the way that it should. And my good friend who moved out to Colorado with me, she still lived out there, had come home one time. And she was like, why don't you just come back? And I was like, Hmm. Okay. I'll just come back. So, <laughs> so I did like, I was probably home for maybe a year or so again, doing odd jobs, trying to make the Pilates thing work. It wasn't working. Being there wasn't working. I wasn't happy. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go back. And which took me to a different area, which was called um, Summit County up in Breckenridge area. So I went out there and really enjoyed myself. She was so sweet. She, she really, um, I have to credit her, such a great friend. We'd gone to high school together. And so within Pilates, there's equipment that you can use, big pieces and little pieces. And so I can't remember if it was for my birthday or for Christmas or something, but she purchased this these two little pieces, which meant that I could privately train, personal train people and go into their homes. So she really, um, I need to give her more credit. I don't know how much credit I've ever given her, but because of that, 
I was allowed to start training in the area. So I started training people in their homes and I would go to see them. And then there was this one day where I saw this building for rent and it was right on Lake Dillon and it's beautiful and it overlooks the lake. And I thought, oh, wouldn't that be amazing? And I made it happen. Mm -hmm. And so within a few months, I uh, was gifted uh, some money to help start the studio. And 30 days later, I opened it. And so that was that was the official first brick and mortar studio mm. that I had that was there that was beautiful. And I loved it. I love the studio. I love the clients. It's where I started working with the ski team. And I did a lot of pro bono work for the ski team and the people in the area. It was just, it was so much fun. I loved it until I didn't. It was one of those things again, like I loved it till I didn't. Um, and so then I moved back home again. <laughs> so I, I mean, I've moved cross country like eight times. I have. I, I mean, I'm on my eighth cross country trip right now. So this we're only into like three at this point. So I had moved back home at that point in time. You know, Pilates was a bit bigger. I did, mm. you know, so that was working. I got back into the assisted living industry again through a different good friend of mine who remained in the industry. Funny story, I had hired her on. And here she continued on her way. And even to this day right now, she's just extraordinary in the industry. And so she hired me on contractually. So I was able to have that steady income while developing Pilates, which was mm. amazing. And then I, I had a studio on the Cape in Osterville, which to this day, out of all the studio studios that I've had on the East and West Coast, my truly favorite studio was in Osterville Fitness. It was it was my baby. It was beautiful. I loved it. And the clientele and the area. And and I'm I have quite quite a piece of my heart in New England. So yeah. So, so did you franchise then? You know, it's funny you should say that because I was asked to do that quite a bit and I never did. And there's a lot of work involved in franchising. Mm. Um, if I had the right team, it would have been great. Yeah. Uh, but I did not have that team around me. And it was, it's not that it was beyond me, but that was a lot of work. You need to have a good team of people around you. And I knew that. Yeah. And because I didn't, that wasn't going to be available to me. So I did at one point in time, have a studio on Cape Cod and have one in Boston. So that's as far as my, my <laughs> franchise went. And those were the two best places. I, I loved it. We were on Newbury Street in Boston, Osterville on Cape Cod. It truly, in my eyes, doesn't get any better than that. It was beautiful. The best of both worlds. And I really enjoyed those studios when I had them. Uh, they were, they were fun. Yeah, they were so, really so nice. What, what did you do with the studios? Did you sell them on or just close them down? Um, the one in Boston actually closed down. I was where I was renting the space. They closed, so they then I got closed because they closed. The one on the Cape. That's when I decided to make another cross country move, and I was moving to Arizona at the time. I decided to let that go. So that studio just closed. I, it's very difficult to keep things on and trust when people. When and I attempt to do it. I attempted to do that and it bit me, which was too bad. It was very, it was too bad that that did that, that that happened that way. 
So I, at that point in time, was one of the first people to ever do something called Skype, which um, Skype was around long before Zoom. And so I was teaching Pilates virtually. The Wall Street Journal wrote me up. It was like this big deal. And again, I was so far ahead of my time. People were uncomfortable with it. So it lasted for maybe three months, six Mm -hmm. months, maybe. It kind of just faded out. And when I went to Arizona, um, I started a studio who ironically closed down. The blessing was that I bought the equipment and then made an in-home studio. So that's where all my in-home studios were born, which was great and really loved doing that. And so I've kept that up from Arizona. I was out there for nine years and now I am in sunny Southwest Florida. And so I'm doing so much virtual training now, which is wonderful. And I've advanced to something called Pilates that I, I kind of <laughs> sort of made up. And so I take the whole Pilates, you know, workout right into the pool. I mean, why not? It's incredible and it's very safe and healthy. Does that not start getting difficult when you've got to lie on your back for a bit? Well, there's no lying on your back. (laughs) There's no lying on your back. We do everything standing up. (laughs) So it's worked out, you know, everything always evolves. And, you know, the key is to not kick and scream along the way. Mm. And there are moments that I was kicking and screaming because I wasn't going with the flow. And so I was, you know, stagnating certain things. But, you know, it's it's just really fun and very humorous when I look back over the times and go, oh, my gosh, if I had only just gone with the flow, it would have been a little easier versus, you know, <laughs> swimming upstream. What was I thinking? But, you know, it everything serves and everything has its purpose and its time. And it's all been an incredible blessing. And, you know, through the Pilates, my coaching has been born so that I'm able to help people, which is, again, always been my specialty, yeah. being a coach slash consultant, going in and helping people design their businesses and and get them straight and help them personally and professionally designing a life that they're happy with and that they want to live their passion. So, you know, that has been amazing to be able to do that. And then like you having the podcast, she was born, it'll be a year ago next month you know, in the middle of the pandemic, what an incredible blessing. Never would have saw that coming. Didn't know anything about podcasting. Didn't really listen to them. (laughs) And she was born. And it's such an incredible gift and passion that I have now for like yourself, being able to help and inspire and empower people around the world in such an an amazing time when people need that. Yeah, absolutely. And so Mm -hmm. this this is a strange old time that we're living in. Um, I mean, uh, coming out of the world has been closed down for for two years, and so many people have had to reevaluate, redesign, look at different ways of doing things. And mm-hmm. I guess if if we hadn't have gone into the lockdown, I certainly probably wouldn't have been podcasting. No, I wouldn't have either. I wouldn't have, um, no, it wouldn't have come across my plate. Mm. I don't think so. But one of the mm-hmm. things that turned it around for me, um, this this beginning of this year, I got onto onto Podmatch, and, yes. and I was I was doing lots of different platforms. Um, I was doing some in, in studio recordings, which which were challenging at times. 
Um, and then, then I was doing some remote stuff, but I was using, I was trying, I tried using Zoom, Riverside, Squadcast, mm -hmm. and and I, and I went on to a, a show as a as a guest, and they were using this platform, Streamyard, and it's had actually transformed the way I do my podcasts. Really? How Absolutely. so? Absolutely. Look at the, the design I've got up there. I think I think it looks beautiful. It, it, it's a way I can I can change things around um, on the fly. I mean, as as we're talking, I can just change my background um, to maybe Ooh. maybe think um, to make you feel at home, shall we say? Um, maybe like that. that, that oh, good. that or, looks like Cape Cod. What does that look like, Cape Cod? Which one? The, the first one did. That one doesn't. The there first one did. Yeah. Well, oh, that's, that's beautiful. That That's actually looking out over uh, from um, Tresco on the Isles of Scilly. And okay. it's the anchorage of uh, Old Grimsby. Or is oh, it New it's Grimsby? beautiful. I can never get them right. And it looks looks across to St. Helens Pool. And we were there. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, was it last year or the year before? I forget. <laughs> when, mm -hmm. lockdown, when lockdown gave up, we we managed to scarf mm -hmm. and, and and sail down to to the cities for for a couple of weeks before sailing around the country. But that's a whole different oh. story. That is. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm two years into podcasting. Um, I've got 140 odd episodes that I've put up, and um, that's amazing. I've still got quite a few in the bag. You're you're my number 82. Oh, I'm so honored. I'm so honored. It actually goes down to a one. That's how special I am. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I love you it. Have That's been awesome. A terrific guest. Oh, this has been such a pleasure, Tim. Again, thank you so much. This yeah. has just been, it's been a blast going down memory lane, you know, taking a pause for a moment. Thank yeah. you for this. And I really, really struggled at getting a word in. <laughs> <laughs> you asked for a story i warned you <laughs> and, I got one, and i think it's a really really good one I, th I think i mean the the way you've you've gone through your life and you just bounce back and you, you're straight back on your feet straight back in there is 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 really special and you're it still is. doing what you set out to do mm -hmm. i am the it's mission has never changed it's Maybe the looks of it have changed a little bit, but the mission is always the same. It's always well, to serve and to help help others. We always have to down, test, and adjust. Mm -hmm. What we tell the guys when they go on the ranges, down, test, adjust. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Get, get a comfortable position. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Marksman Street principles. Works for everything. It does. It does. That's really great. It's yeah. really great. Oh. So I'd just like to thank you very, very much for your time. And, and I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you, Tim. So have I. Such an honor. Thanks for listening and look forward to the next one. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.